to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I have learned and am still learning, despite our circumstances, despite our trials and tribulations, that God still is great and that he's still worthy of our praise all the time, regardless of how painful our lives and circumstances are. Despite our suffering, despite our pain and agony, and even losing loved ones during this holiday season, God is so good all the time. You guys are ready. Oh, I'm ready. I am ready to preach. I am ready to preach. You guys, open your Bibles to Job 1 and say amen when you're there. It's like we have a cheat sheet or something over here. You guys are on fire. You guys, let's close our eyes and just pray. Heavenly Father, we come here this morning, Lord. May I be used by the Holy Spirit, Lord. May every single person who came here this morning feel your presence, Lord. May we walk this place unchanged, God. May we become stronger with you. May our relationship grow deeper. May our roots be rooted in you, Father God. May you be our firm foundation in everything that we do, in everything that we say, in how we pray and who we pray to. May your name be lifted high, Lord. Through our suffering and pain, may us bow to the feet of the cross, Lord. Lord, I am so happy to talk about the book of Job here this morning, about pain and suffering, and throughout it all, he is a greater man of God than he even was in the first chapter. Lord, we love you, and you are an almighty God. We are so undeserving of your grace and your mercy, but we're so thankful for it. And all God's children said amen. I remember I was about 17 years old. I'm 34 now. Adam, I am getting old, bro. It was about 17 years ago, and I visited a chiropractor in Big Bear. And he said, Alan, your back's out of alignment, your neck. He named all these things. I'm like, bro, you don't got to make me older than I already feel. (laughs) But what he wanted to do was make adjustments to my body because I was so out of alignment. When I was preparing to speak today, I feel the same with us Christians. A lot of times our faith, our trust, our walk with God is out of alignment and Jesus wants to do adjustments in our life so we could be in alignment with him through suffering, through pain, through heartache, through all of it. Because God is the same yesterday, today and forever. I truly believe that suffering, sorrow and pain is the one thing that strains our relationship with Christ the most. We can all attest that suffering can be frustrating. It isn't easy. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And tell yourself this daily, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Your circumstances look bad, horrific. But what I always share is as followers of Jesus Christ, They will not last forever. In fact, it may seem like an eternity. (laughs) It seems like an eternity to get that diagnosis or you're suffering or you're never going to be able to pay your bills again or your marriage is really crummy or whatever the case may be. But it's small, it's minute compared to the eternity that we will serve in heaven as followers of Jesus Christ. But only when we have accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts and into our lives. When suffering hits, 
We must be reminded that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he also has been faithful. He is faithful during our great days, our great days, our great years and months. But he's also faithful in our okay days, our bad days, our horrific days, our horrific months, our horrific years. The years where they don't make any sense, where it's hard to even feel God, sense God, or even seem as though he's answering our prayers. God is still faithful even when we don't see he's faithful. I remember when I was bedridden. For six months straight, I thought, how, God, how are you going to use me? How can I give thanks in all circumstances when not only am I bedridden, but my muscles are wasting away? But as I change my perspective here today and my outlook, and God has made me more mature through my pain and suffering like he did Job, I've learned that, you know what, it could be much worse. I could be paralyzed like some doctors thought I would be. I could still be bedridden. I could be worse. I could still not be here as sufferers from arachnoiditis pass away when it spreads to the brain. I have two children when doctors said there's no way and there's no how. I have seen the gifts of God that come from my pain and my suffering. And so have you. If you really look at your life and reflect on what God has given you, you are a blessed man and woman of God. It's our perspective and our outlook on life must change in order for the trajectory of our faith to grow. I think Johnny Tata had a great line from this, if we could put that up. It says, giving thanks, she said, is not a matter of feeling thankful. It's a matter of obedience. A little bit about Johnny is she was paralyzed from the neck down. Age 17, she's now 73, but God has used her globally to touch millions of people's lives through her ministry and through her story and through her pain and her suffering. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm suffering and I'm at my wit's end, who do we usually cry out to, good or bad? It's Jesus. When we're backed out in a corner where no one could reach out to us, it's Jesus. Even if that means we're yelling at him, he has our full attention. Let's write in our notes, do not allow pain to strain our relationship. Make adjustments so we can be in alignment with God. I know the last thing that I want to hear when I maybe lost a family member, dealing with destruction or pain or a diagnosis or just defeated, is First Thessalonians. Alan, just give thanks in all things. That's the last thing we want to hear if we're being real today. Take your angel halo off for just a second and bear the truth with me. Right? It's something we don't really want to hear all the time. How do we give thanks when, when we can't afford our house payments? Or on the verge of losing our house? Or how can we give thanks when we lost a family member? Or and I don't want to spill the beans. Or in Job's case, ten family members the same day. Brothers and sisters, as I just mentioned, let's look at the entire passage of verse Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul was talking here, and he's giving his final instructions to the church at Thessalonica, calling them 
to love, to walk humbly with God and do the will of God despite our circumstances. That is what we're called to do. Next in your notes. These are two ways we could give thanks in all circumstances. God's will for our life is difficult at times. But these troubles, guys, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 gives us one way we could give thanks during these tragedies. When we fix our eyes, not as what is, on, uh, what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think one of the things that hurt the most is when we have things stripped from us in life. We're people of havoc. Even if you don't think you are, we are. We get up, we get dressed, we have coffee, we have breakfast, and we go on in our day. One of the most difficult things, though, is when you have life taken from you, when you have health taken from you, when you have a loved one taken from you, when you get a horrific diagnosis you never expected to get, or a great career ripped from you, finances taken from you, a house taken from you, sudden death of a loved one. Well, you guys, it's that time. Let's look at someone who knew about all this so well, Job. The story of Job provides us with a behind-the-scenes look at spiritual warfare and conversations that were taking place between God and Satan. So let's look at Job 1.1. It says, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. We're going to stop right there for a minute. Because you understand, this didn't happen to, God, to Job what would later take place in this chapter because of his sin. It wasn't because of his sin. He was devoted to God. He loved God. And he was a man of great integrity who had a great relationship with Christ. Blameless doesn't mean without sin. None of us are without sin. But he didn't suffer because of wrongdoing. Let's read verses 2 and 3. He had seven sons and three daughters. God bless him. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. My favorite part, he was the greatest man among these. We see that Job was a very blessed man, a man of wealth and riches. Everyone knew how, how rich and blessed he was, but he also cared about others. He gave back to the community too. And my favorite, he was called the greatest man among the East. Man, what a title. What a title from the Lord. That's the title that I want to be called, the greatest man among these. In verses 4, the, the ten children would get together, it says, on their festivals, on their birthdays, and they would eat together. You could imagine how happy this made Job feel that his family would get along and get together on their birthdays and actually talk. And actually talk because this was before TV existed, before Facebook, tablets existed, TikTok, Instagram, and everything else. They had to talk to one another. And they actually got along. Sometimes it's so hard for Tenley and Ryan to get along for two minutes. But they got along. And in verse 5, Job makes a sacrifice 
a burnt offering because he wants to make sure that his children are living right with God. So far, Job 1, 1 through 5 is a very blessed man, right, Job? It seems everything's going right. He's blessed. He has his family, his donkeys, his servants. Everything's just going fantastic. Many of us can attest to this kind of life. Everything's going dandy. Everything's going great. We have our family. We have our great career. Our path just, it seems going great. But then destruction hits. And what do we do? Everything. We can lose everything in the blink of an eye. Let's read six, verses 6 through 12. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming the earth back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hand. So that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then. Everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. This was a debate match between God and Satan. And Job had no clue what was going on. In this passage, just like now, there was spiritual warfare taking place. Satan was reporting and checking in with God as just a visitor. And he asked Satan, where are you coming from? And Satan replies, we see, roaming the earth back and forth. Which reminds me of 1 Peter 5a. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Bottom line is, Satan hates you and he hates me because we're following Christ and he's going to do everything in his power to try to whisper lies of defeat to us. The angelic beings here made an appearance before God's throne. But when we think of angelic beings, we think of good angels. This was a fallen evil angel. Satan, not what we think of when we hear angelic beings. Satan is the most ungodly being and stood before the presence of the Lord. Satan here, he appears in heaven. God acknowledges him by name and God calls him to account for his activities. The devil's authority, though, this is awesome, and power are limited by the authority of our sovereign God. You will notice who speaks first. And you'll notice who speaks last. And you'll also notice who leaves heaven when the conversation has ended. In verse 8. God brings up Job again as he was impressed by Job. He was impressed by his character. He was impressed that he followed Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like the praise that Job received a second time in this chapter? As God says, there's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. He shuns evil. Satan will do anything God allows him to try to make Him curse God in this passage. So let's continue in these verses. As Satan and the Lord continue to have a debate here. In verse 10, and the Lord knows who Job is. And confident he will trust him. 
A hedge was a wall of protection. And Satan, now straight, stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you fa- to your face. Because you understand that Satan believed that adversity would make Job move from the faith he had in the Lord. And doesn't the devil do the same thing to us today? Many times when adversity strikes our life, we run away. But guys, God says to serve him in all circumstances, at all times. Not just when times are good, but when times are crummy, horrible, horrific, serve our Lord and Savior. And that's what Job did. Many times God will allow us to be backed up against the wall and a mountain on this side, in front of us, on this side, back of us. The Red Sea in front of us and the devil's after us and your mama can't help you, your daddy can't help you, your spouse can't help you, your favorite superhero can't help you. Only your Lord and Savior can help you in a circumstance like this. In verse 12, in verse 12, God gave Satan power to attack Job, excuse me, but not lay a finger on him. The Lord says to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. What was very important, you guys, when I was preparing for this, is that God let down the hedge, but he didn't remove it. There was a stipulation because Satan had the power and the desire all along to attack Job, but he lacked the opportunity from God. Imagine how bad our lives really would be if God allowed Satan to do whatever he wanted to towards you and I and didn't have that wall of protection. What's crazy is Job didn't even experience verses 6 through 12 as a spiritual warfare. He saw it as life falling apart. In your notes, through pain, God wants to adjust your mindset so you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's read verses 13 through 19. One day when Job's son and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put their servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties, swept down on your camels, and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. God has used Job to encourage many. To give us a new sense of hope and encouragement and inspiration through his own pain, through his own loss. And at the end of the book of Job, 
He's even a more righteous man, a more blessed man, and even a more godly man than he was in chapter 1 when he had everything. And you guys, if, God, if Job knew what would come by the end of chapter Job, at the end of Job, he would say, thank you, Lord. And if we knew what would come by the end of our lives through our pain and our suffering, I think we could also say, thank you, Lord. So in this short period of time, in a few hours, Job loses everything of value to him. He loses his servants, his oxen, his sheep, and worst of all, all ten children. All ten children. In the first five verses, we think he's a blessed man, everything's going great, but then we continue to read the next 14, and in the span of just a few hours, Job's life was flipped upside down. And I was, you know, I'm an honest guy. And if I lose all my children like Job, if we just put ourselves in Job's situation and take off our church hat for a minute, if we're just being honest here, I don't know if I could worship God with all ten kids removed. I pray and I say I would. But if we're really being real right now, how hard would that be? If he lost everything he had. Everything. But I believe that Job learned this lesson in your notes. Suffering can cause us to have deep roots and a strong foundation in Christ. A strong foundation in Christ. Job's response in verses 20 and 21 are my favorite. He just is a man who just lost everything. And it says Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground. But right then and there, Satan is thinking, yes, I have this man of Job. He's going to curse God. He's tearing his robe. He's shaving his head. But does that what it says? Or does it say, then he fell to the ground in worship? In worship. You guys, that's what I urge us today. No matter if it's a family member that we're so close to, a friend, a child of God, or cancer that's defeating our body, can we just lay in worship and thank God for what he's done in our life thus to this point and praise him in the suffering and praise him during the biggest storms of our life like Job did? Because then after he follows it by saying, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. I will say something. Job was in great despair. And it was a sign of mourning when he shaved his head and ripped his robe. I had just mentioned earlier it was so awesome because Satan expected Job to curse and blame God for his suffering. But he didn't. He did the complete opposite. He understands. Job understands what a lot of us Christians don't understand. He understands that everything that we have comes from God. Every perfect gift comes from Jesus. He understands the Lord is in control of everything and is worthy of our praises. Even when we don't understand what the Lord is doing, he's still worthy of our worship. Notes. This is so important. Think of everything you have. The Lord gave it to you. 
oh, I have a great resume. That's why I gave the, got the job. No, the Lord gave you the great resume to get the job. It's not what you did. It's who you do it for. God gave you the job. God gave you the house. God gave you your spouse. God gave you your children. God gave you everything that you have. So praise him this morning. He's worthy of it all. So think of that song. And Job recognizes this. And that everything he had was God's in the first place. Like James 1, 1 through 17, 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadow. It really tugged on my heart because when we know who provides us with the gifts, it should be much more meaningful to us, guys. We should thank God in a powerful way for even the clothes that we have, for the bed that we have, for our spouse, even when they're driving us crazy. Brittany never does. I drive her crazy. (laughs) Honestly, we should. And that's in our notes. We should worship the giver, not the gifts. We should worship our Lord and Savior, not the gifts. The devil. The devil was thinking he was sneaky, man. He thought he was going to make Job curse God. But... Job's response is the best. And I don't know about you, but wouldn't you love to be there and see the devil's reaction? To see him ticked off? Because that's what he was. He was mad. He was upset. And he thought for sure that he had Job. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times that I like to tick off the devil. Because there's times that I feel as though with spiritual warfare that the devil is winning, especially when I'm preparing for the perseverance conferences and everything that could go wrong goes wrong plus extra. But then at the end of the day, I have my beautiful wife whispering in my ear, even when I don't want to hear her whispering, it's going to be okay, Alan, it's going to be great. I don't want to hear it. But man, is she a blessing because it's so true. And to see people set free, it's worth all the pain, the heartache, the sleepless nights to see people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I would have loved to be there to see the devil's reaction. You guys, in your notes, I know we're writing like a novel today, but I am so excited to preach. If Job can worship during this time, then so should we. We should be worshiping right now our Lord and Savior. Because the more the devil drives us to curse God, the more we should bless God and thank him and worship him just like Job did. Now, because of time restraints, I'm going to read fast Job 2, 1 through 2. We're going to do two chapters today. Two chapters On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came with them to present himself before God. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered, the Lord. From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Back and forth on it. Here we go again, you guys. Second test. Round two fight. Here we go. Just like today. God wasn't done using Job yet. He's not done using you yet until you take your last breath here on earth. He's not done transforming us. I don't get it when the mature Christian, they could be 80 years old, but you still have breath in your lungs. Don't think that you have everything squared away. 
God isn't done transforming you yet. You could be a light to those that are younger and teaching them what it means to be a more mature and complete Christian. But God isn't done using you yet. I don't care how old you are. God isn't done using you until you take your last breath here on earth and enter paradise. Just like he wasn't done with Job. He still wanted more from Job. And he knew he could still persevere and trust God. Once again, this is another conversation taking place between Jesus and Satan. Job and Jesus were faithful. And because of this, the devil was so ticked off. He was so angry. So we continue in verses 4 and 5. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones. He will surely curse you to your face. Satan's like, you know what? He lost all his possessions, everything that was important to him, including his family, his oxen, his house, everything. But surely he will curse you to your face if you inflict him with painful, painful boils all over his body. If you just let me and him, Lord, and inflict punishment and suffering to Job, he will surely curse you to your face. This is a new test, a physical test, a suffering test. It wasn't enough for, enough for Job to suffer emotionally and mentally with the loss of money, his animals, and his amazing children. But God once again gives Satan permission with the stipulation very well, but you must spare his life. Let's go to verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores. From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. These were painful boils that Satan afflicts Job with, which are excruciating pain. And were all over his body. And not only that, Job was feeling miserable, but he kind of looked funky too. And they were all over him. He what is it noticeable from all the pain and torment that he was going through? And it had me thinking, as we write down this fill in the blank, it's because when we serve Jesus, we'll be persecuted and hated like Jesus. Luke 9.23 is a great reminder of this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. It's crazy because if we, if we recognize in verse 8, let's read that really quick. Jo- then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sang, sat among the ashes. Among the ashes, it was dirty place. It was just filthy. And all he had was a broken piece of pottery to scrape himself. No one knows exactly why, but my best guess is because those boils, not only did they hurt like crazy, but they probably itched very bad. Throughout the book of Job, Job deals with intense pain. His skin was peeling. He had pus-filled, erupting sores all over his body. Later on, he couldn't eat. He had anorexia. He would have a fever. He would even deal with depression, uncontrollable weeping, sleeplessness. Yet when he did sleep, he'd have terrible nightmares. He had a difficulty breathing. Felly vision, rotting teeth, painful sores over his body, and even bad breath. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I think we're very blessed with what we came here today. There's no comparing one circumstance to another gentleman. And I always say, we all have problems and giants that we're faced with today. But man, Job was a man who has went through hell and back. Yet he still served our Lord and Savior. It is so possible to serve Jesus as did Job. Is it easy? No way. Is it rewarding? Yes. And it's worth it all. You guys, if you think it's bad now, things only get much worse because his wife speaks in verses 9 through 10. Let's read it. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Come on, Joel, get it done with. But his response, he replies, you are talking like a foolish woman. Praise Jesus for Job. Shall we accept good? And the best part here, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. This reminds me of 1 Peter 3.14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Pain has caused Job to have great discipline in his walk with Christ. He knew what it meant to go through great adversity, to persevere through life's biggest struggles, pain, torment, emotional, and yet he still served God. You understand for a minute, if we're being real and honest, I understand where his wife's coming from. Because for a minute, if you think about it for a minute, put yourselves in her shoes, Many wouldn't blame her because she's not talked about in chapter one. But you understand she just lost her ten children too. And their wealth, their animals. Also, I I believe she couldn't bear to see her husband suffer anymore. Just escape the pain already, Job, and die. You'd be better off than what you look like now. Then how are you are now? Take the easy route. And if we're being honest today... As followers of Christ, we take the easy way, far often than the hard route. But so many times the harder route has a reward at the end. It's so much more challenging, yet it's so much more rewarding. And Job knows this because his response is one that is so epic. You are speaking like one of the foolish women because he thought, you know what, you are crazy he goes on to say, shall we accept good from God to his wife, but, but not trouble? Other translations for trouble means adversity. No to his wife. I'm not going to just praise God when times are good. I'm going to praise God when times are hard, challenging, and don't make any sense. And literally, when I'm going through hell and back, I'm going to serve God because I'm going to serve God when I'm baptized. It says, all the days of my life. In our notes, we should follow God and give thanks in all times and during great adversity. You know those surveys that you get? Man, they drive me nuts. They're like, for $25 reward, take this five-minute survey and you could win a $25 Walmart gift card. I don't like Walmart. Can it be somewhere else? Sure. And so you know those surveys... Rate how we did, one being the worst, ten being the greatest. If you think about that for a minute, what would the Lord give you 
if he was to take a survey of your life when adversity hits? What would you give yourself here today? Because to this point, Job did not sin with his lips. Not once. He did not sin. And that is because Jesus is more concerned about our character than our comfort level. And let's be honest. We are spoiled individuals. We are so comfortable in our walk. We think we come into church and we have everything together. That there's nothing we're going to learn from the sermon. That we have God in this pedestal and that we are worshiping and praising him. And that we just put him first in everything we do. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. There's always room for growth. There's always room for us to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. And I believe, as I see it so often, that we need our light for Jesus Christ to shine more than ever before. That we, it starts with us, that we have to be on fire for Christ like never before. And yet what I see is the complete opposite, guys, but it starts with us. It starts with us. If we're not doing it, who's going to do it? I urge us to change that today. I urge us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Next in our notes, pain could cause growth, but only if we're willing to develop our character. Only if we're willing to develop our character. Seventeen years ago, I started having debilitating back pain. I'm now 34. I've been through a lot, and I continue to go through a lot. But God has transformed my life because he cares more about my character than my comfort level. And I'm not the same man that I was 17 years ago, even a year ago. I believe and I hope that I'm a more God-fearing man every day I live this life till I'm called home to heaven, where I belong. And even if my healing doesn't take place here on earth, that I go to heaven and that God calls me well done, good and faithful servant. Let's end the chapter, verses 11 through 13. When Job's three friends... Eliphaz the Tamanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. It's pretty remarkable to see Job's friends. His three friends were remarkable. They just wanted to be next to Job. But it's pretty crazy to see because they were weeping and mourning with him because they didn't even recognize him. Because he didn't look like the same man from all the affliction, pain, and torment that he went through. He didn't even look like the same Job that they recognized. They didn't say a word for seven days. And what I've learned through Job's affliction, though, is that God loves us no matter if we're in a valley, no matter if we're at the biggest mountaintop ever, that Jesus has no equal and no rival. There's no one whose love is anywhere close to God. His love is so much greater, higher, wider, deeper, more wonderful than even the closest love we could imagine in this world. And he wants the best for us. We think about people in our lives who love us and think, well, God loves us like that person. Not true. His love for us is so much greater than that person's love for us. 
could ever be. That person's love might be a tiny way of God's reflection and love for us. But no one's love for us in this world can even begin to compare to God's love for us. Because God knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for I when I need it. That might be a test of patience, of unforgiveness. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I know about that far too well. But be careful what we ask for. Because God usually wastes no time to put them in a circumstance where our faith is tested, where our perseverance is tested. But be ready because God cares more about your character than your comfort. Next in your notes, when we suffer, when we suffer, it's another opportunity to grow in our faith. Through every test that comes our way, through every challenge and hurdle that we're faced with, it's an opportunity for our roots to be firmly planted in Jesus Christ. I have five fill-in-the-blanks. It was very difficult to do five fill-in-the-blanks why we should be thankful for enduring suffering. If you could fill those out with me. The first one, give thanks for all we go through. And most importantly here, take nothing for granted. Nothing for granted. Your house, the finances a little bit that we do have, the shirts that we have, the spouses we have. Able to fill up our gas tank even though it's ridiculous and makes me nervous and mad every time I do. Number two, God may not always give you what you think you want, but he will give you what you need. He will get you what you need. He's given me a lot of stuff that I needed in order to grow. And he will do the same for you. But it's not always what we want and what we think we need. But God knows exactly what we need, when we need it, at the most perfect time when we need it. Three, as we change our perspective, thanksgiving will flood our hearts. When we change the way that we think about our circumstances, instead of saying, woe is me, we could say, Lord, use me. Instead of saying, poor me as Alan, Lord, use me despite my chair. Despite my circumstances, Lord, do what only you can do through me. Show people Jesus Christ through my walk, Lord, and lead me to them. Four, this is cheesy, but I'm cheesy. We don't have enough fingers or toes to count all our blessings. So let's give thanks to the Lord. If we're being honest today, we have a lot more to be thankful for than 20 things. A lot more to be thankful for. should look ourselves in the mirror every single day and tell the Lord thank you. There might be times where you're weeping where you say thank you and you can barely say thank you. But we can do it. With tears and weeping. And I want you guys to understand something. It's okay to be upset with God. You think he doesn't know your feelings? He knows. He's so big. He carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. He could carry your anger. It's okay to be upset with God, not understand what he's doing, but still have faith and still trust him. Despite your anger, 
to trust him despite your circumstances, despite you being ticked off at him, despite you being angry with him. He's big enough. He's worthy of our praises. Number five, if God doesn't do one more thing in our life, he did more than we deserve by giving us heaven. I'm going to wrap up here shortly. But God, as followers of Christ, only as followers of Christ, and man, I pray that people accept Jesus Christ today, that seeds are planted, and that people come up for prayer, because I know how good God is. I've tasted and I've seen what he's done. And I want to end with this, is pain and suffering creates adversity. That only comes through struggles. Pain and suffering has a purpose. Your pain, your suffering, whatever you're going through, good or bad, it's not for no reason. God doesn't waste anything. Not for one millisecond does he waste your pain or your suffering or your sorrow. He wants to use it for his glory. Go help people who don't have any hope who are down feeling useless. I remember doctors saying, you know, you won't be able to, I don't know, work. You won't be able to have a purpose and a plan for your life, Alan. And maybe you feel that way today. There's no purpose, there's no plan for your life today. No, there's a purpose and a plan for your life. You may not see it yet. But God loves you, and through it all, he wants us to go to the feet of Jesus through our suffering and sorrow and pain. You guys, I'm going to do things a little different today. And suffering isn't easy. Suffering is very hard and it's challenging. That's why it's called suffering. But as we close our eyes right now, if all of us could close our eyes for just a minute, I want to ask you here today, Maybe you've been on the fence of wanting to accept Jesus Christ. You've been coming to church because your parents, I know parents could be annoying, and they get on you to just come to church. It's because they love you. It's because they know the goodness of God, and they have seen what he's done in their lives, and they want to see the same thing transparent in your life. It's because they love you. That tugging on your heart, is not yourself, but it's the Holy Spirit who wants in your life once and for all. He wants a part of your heart. Don't waste today by not accepting him into your heart. Again, with our eyes shut, I know a lot of us have backslidden. A lot of us maybe haven't even backslidden, but we're not where we want to be in our walk with Jesus Christ. I pray for you as well. I pray that you come and you want to be on fire for God. And you don't want to leave the place the same way that you came in, but you want to make a joyful noise for Jesus Christ. You want to be a vessel for Christ. That you want to be used by God by your actions. You don't even have to say a word and God could use you by the way that you live for Christ. By the smile you have on your face. By the joy that you have in your spirit. Even when your body hurts so bad, you have a joyful spirit. I pray for those that are hurting, including myself. We know, Father God, 
that you don't just do miracles in the Bible, but we believe that you are the miracle Lord, that you're the way maker, Lord, where there's no other way you make a way, that you fight our battles for us. So right now, Father God, with every eye shut, I pray for those to lift up their hands who want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior here this morning, that they would be bold enough to lift up their hands. And for those that need prayer of any kind, Father God, the same, that they would lift up their hands right now so I could pray with them, Father God. Of any circumstance, whatever you're going through, big, small, tiny, the God of our Lord and Savior knows what it is. One more minute just to lift up your hands in praise. And I know for some of us you came with thanksgiving and you want to thank God for the breakthroughs that you've seen. And you want to thank God for what he's done in your life. Can you raise your hands too? Raise your hands because God is so good. Lord, I, I thank you for this group here, Father God. I thank you for these people I thank you for Job, who's taught us a life valuable lesson that we could take with us to heaven, Lord, to persevere. No matter what we go through here on earth, that we could praise you. Even when we think we've lost everything, that we still have our salvation. That we still have the Holy Spirit residing in of us. I pray that we leave this building on fire for you and changed. Lord, I pray for every single person who rose their hand. You know their prayer requests, Lord. Some that came with physical limitations. Some that came with cancer. Some that came with debilitating diseases. Some that came with loss of family members, Lord. And hardships and depression and anxiety. You know them all. And I pray they find peace of all understanding, a comfort from you, that only comes from you, and that they know it is you, Lord, that you give them strength when we have no strength, Lord. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can't do it on our own, Lord. We need to give you in our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this place. We thank you for these people. And we thank you for you being Lord over our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. Amen. I do want to ask you guys if you prayed and you want to be prayed for, that we'd love to have you down here. I'm actually going to ask Pastor Dane if he can go to the left, and I'll be down center as well. And maybe if one more person like Adam, if he's still here, if he can come down too. We want to pray with you as well down here because we don't want you to leave unchanged. We want you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and make that confession of faith and hopefully be baptized. Thank you, guys. God bless you from the bottom of my heart. Sings the hymn.